There's a reason why in Florida, professional wrestling was deemed an essential business. Because it kicks ass. This is Heel Turns and Headlocks. And this is Bear DiGiulio and Brian LaPrey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Hill Turns and Headlocks podcast. My name is Brian LaPrey, and with me, as always, the iconic Bearded Julio. I wasn't quite released from WWE like these names we're about to mention, but I am here. I am. No, I'm not queer, but I am here. Get used to it. (sighs) What a great start this is. Uh (laughs) Why not? We, uh, we're here, unfortunately, to talk about something that is, apparently, this is just becoming like an annual thing on this date. Maybe we missed that memo, but more wrestlers were released from WWE. Now, if you've been following us from the beginning, you know that our very first episode was actually discussing the future of every released WWE superstar. And the reason we did that is because we wanted to put an optimistic spin on it. We wanted to talk about what is yet to come rather than what could have been. And well, we're going to do that again because a lot of talented wrestlers were recently released by WWE. And we believe that their futures are collectively, individually, however you want to put it, incredibly bright. And there is a lot more variety. There are a lot more options on this day in 2021 than there were in 2020 because of the pandemic, things have opened up a little bit. And really a lot of companies are on the rise. For instance, recently it was announced, actually about 45 minutes ago, it was announced that MLW will be moving to Vice TV. There's a lot going on in professional wrestling. And unfortunately, some of that is negative because the following names were released by WWE. We're going to lump somebody in there who was technically not part of this round of releases, but was also recently released. And we're going to talk about what is next. What can they do to further their careers, reinvent themselves, or even just maintain the momentum they'd already built for themselves. And really that, I mean, it starts with the guy that it has to start with. It starts with an individual who was pretty shockingly released by WWE on March 21st. Apparently he requested his release and a whole bunch of chaos ensued from there, but he is out just like his former manager. We are obviously talking about Andrade Cien Almas. He never should have dropped that whole name. One of the most talented wrestlers in the world. One of Bear's favorite wrestlers, one of mine as well. And well, if you're going to talk about Andrade, you kind of have to look back to what he's already done Bear, And that kind of leads us to, if not outright pick it, at least suggest that for Andrade, the next stop maybe should be New Japan Pro Wrestling. So we don't want to, you know, quote unquote, break kayfabe here, but Andrade, once upon a time, was also known as La Sombra. La Sombra, I should say. Um, I should know that given my wife is Mexican. Hi, Jenny. I know you're not listening, but whatever. So before Andrade signed with WWE, he was La Sombra. He was under a mask. And he was just incredible, right? He was more in-ring based than anything. But we found out in NXT, especially, that he's a very charismatic guy. And it's weird that a 
handsome guy like him was under a mask for so long, but, but that was the heritage. So the reason why we have Andrade kind of going to new Japan or even ring of honor, you know, his friends are there at the moment. Roosh is the current ring of honor world champion. Seeing Andrade go back as La Sombra or not, you know, just going back as himself, El Idolo, as he calls himself on Twitter, he's got the history already. He's a former intercontinental champion there. He's had successes there. Um, he had killer matches in one of his first matches with new Japan in 2010, he pinned Jushin Thunder Liger in tag team competition. This guy has all the, I am shocked that WWE released him. I know that there were some rumblings and backstage news and dirt sheets saying he was unhappy with his position in the company, which very well may be the case. We don't know for sure. We're not there, but this guy's got such a bright future ahead of him. He's charismatic. He's so damn good in the ring. He's a, like we mentioned, a former intercontinental champion in new Japan. He also won the NXT championship. He was a former NXT United States or NXT WWE United States champion as well. He's got all the potential in the world to be a game changer. I know that sounds like a little weird to say because we didn't see that from him in WWE too much. I thought his pairing with Zelina Vega was incredible for both of them. Seeing them both gone now, it's kind of one of those things where it's not a matter of if, just a matter of when Andrade lands on his feet somewhere. I can't wait to see where he goes. I think it's going to be New Japan or Ring of Honor, like I said, but Brian, man, like this is a guy that, you know, unlike, you know, not to disrespect anybody on this list, but he might be one of the two guys in particular that are just absolute game changers for wherever he ends up landing. Look, if you have never seen this show, and maybe it's possible you haven't, go back and watch New Japan Pro Wrestling Kizuna Road 2013, night nine, when they were in Akita, Japan. That whole card is stacked. Okay, Tomohiro Ishii wrestled Minoru Suzuki. You know that was dope. Masato Tanaka wrestled Tetsuya Naito. Katsuyori Shibata wrestled Hiroki Goto. The main event was actually Kazushika Okada versus Prince Devitt, Finn Balor. But on that card, La Sombra defended the IWGP Intercontinental title, Andrade, against Shinsuke Nakamura. One of the best matches of Andrade's career, one of the best matches of Shinsuke's career. That's the kind of stuff, obviously Shinsuke's in WWE, but that's the kind of stuff we could look forward to, assuming Andrade goes back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. We obviously know now the IWGP World Heavyweight title is a thing, so that Intercontinental Championship isn't exactly around anymore. It's been unified. Maybe that motivates Andrade. Maybe he wants to fight Cody Bushi for doing what he did. And that's the perfect reintroduction. And then who the hell wouldn't want to see Andrade versus Will Ospreay? You know, th there's a, a mountain of great matches for Andrade to wrestle and not only matches that he's never wrestled before, but that he already has. So I think that is an, an obvious choice. And my hope is that if he does sign with either an American or a Mexican or any other uh, a wrestling promotion around the world. He at least leaves it in his contract that he can go to new Japan, because that is something I think we all want to see. Now, if he does stay in America, AEW is obviously incredibly tempting. He would be one of the biggest stars in the company. And he would obviously be one of the best wrestlers on any roster on the planet. I kind of like ring of honor for him. Bear alluded to this, you know, he has familial ties there. You know, he has history with Los Ingobernables de Japón. He has, a lot of a lot of reason to go to really one of the best wrestling companies of the last 20 years. I don't know where he's going to end up, but as Bear said, it's it's 
he's going to land on his feet. And hopefully this all leads to him being reunited with Zelina Vega, now Thea Trinidad again, because that pairing is absolute magic. If that does happen, I mean, whatever company they're in gets one of the best shows in professional wrestling. Now, moving on from one of the best in-ring performers in the business to one of the best characters in the business. I would say, aside from the big name that we'll get to, probably the single most surprising release of anybody. Somebody who was at WrestleMania. Somebody who stole the show at the Royal Rumble. Somebody who has been handing out headshots and stealing every scene they've been in. Pure entertainment. And that, of course, is Billy Kay. I can't really wrap my head around this. She was one of the funniest characters in a long time and comedy and wrestling it's dicey right you know it's it's really really difficult to be funny in professional wrestling billy Kay does it every single time we see her i'm pretty shocked thankfully she's someone who i think everybody in wrestling knows is going to land on her feet you know the people backstage apparently loved her on screen she was pure entertainment and that's why well, we have a little bit of a two-part answer for this because there are two possibilities, of course. The possibility exists that Billy Kay could strike out on her own and be a singles competitor. Possibility also exists that the Iconics could be reunited in a different company or a multitude of companies. Who knows? Me personally, if it is an individual run for Billy Kay, I'd love to see her end up in Impact Wrestling. I think Impact pretty much since day one has done as great of a job as any company in the world at highlighting women's wrestling and putting them in a position to be taken seriously. And they have one of the best rosters in professional wrestling. Deanna Parazzo is obviously the impact knockout champion, just had an incredible title versus a career match against the legendary jazz. Unfortunately, jazz is retiring, but that roster still has an abundance of talent, you know, Sue young and, and Rosemary and Jordan grace. I'd love to see Billy Kay's character end up there because I know that they would give her the, the freedom and, but also the, the creative platform to really show how great she is but the other option and and we'll dive deeper into it later and bear will dive deeper into it right now but aw of course you know the iconics one of the most entertaining units in a long time there have been rumblings of you know aw women's tag team championships the iconics would be a great team to help introduce that we've seen the tag team tournament for the women that was obviously a very big deal I think the Iconics would bring a great deal of notoriety to the AEW women's division. They'd be perhaps the two biggest names that the company would have on a mainstream level. And really just together, it's always magic. They know how to get under your skin. They know how to make you laugh. It's, it's really, again, comedy and wrestling is very hard to pull off and they do it. And regardless of which company she chooses or neither of the above, Billy Kay, I mean, come on, you know, one of the best characters in wrestling, pure entertainment, and whatever company gets her is going to be lucky as hell. It was, aside from a name we're going to mention, like Brian said, this was a really shocking release to me because of how entertaining she was. It did, you know, she was one of those characters where it didn't even matter how well she did or didn't do in the ring. 
because every time she was on TV, she always caught your attention. She had the res. She was handing out her resume. She was trying to be a part of the riot squad. She was trying to be with Car. She was trying to team with Carmella. She teamed with Carmella at WrestleMania just a couple of days ago, as of this recording. It's crazy to think that they released her, but we're not calling her trash. However, one man's trash is another person man's treasure, right? Billy Kay's gonna land on her feet wherever she wants to go, and you know. Impact Wrestling did just reintroduce the um, Knockouts Tag Team titles. So seeing her and Peyton Royce potentially go there, feud with Kiara Hogan and Tasha Steeles, I think could be really dope for that tag team division. If we don't get that and we get Billy Kay against any iteration of Susan or Susie or Sue Young, the three faces of Sue Young, you know, I think that'd be really entertaining television. We're not even talking about the in-ring aspect of it, but like that's, that's almost must-see TV just to see Billy Kay interact with someone like that. Or she would have a killer match with a woman like Tennille Dashwood. Wherever Billy Kay does end up end up landing, and I hope it's somewhere soon. I know we have to wait the 90 days for the no-compete clause to take to end, I guess you should say. She's she's gonna be just fine. Again, this was one of the more shocking releases from the other day, but she's gonna land on her feet, and I can't wait to see where she goes. And that's, you know, somewhat true about everyone on this list, obviously, but we really want to hammer home the point. Billy Kay should, I mean, can't live in the past, but wherever she goes, they got a, a hell of an act. Uh, moving on from someone who has made us laugh recently to somebody who at one point in time was one of the best heels in wrestling. I know that seems crazy to say, B team, B team, go, 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 but Bo Dallas, former NXT champion, a long and lengthy reign, a reign that helped really define the early years of NXT, some really good matches. I thought the B team actually were a very entertaining act myself, but Bo Dallas no longer in WWE. Bray Wyatt now the only rotunda remaining. Uh, this one's pretty interesting, but I also think that it's, kind of intriguing to just go with the obvious choice which is the nwa nwa has obviously made a pretty resurgent comeback over the past couple of years and bo dallas would be a really cool person to put in there in that environment because well look at the family lineage look at the fact that his father and his grandfather and his uncle the, countless people from that that wrestling family tree if you will have deep history in the NWA. And I think it would be really cool to see the next generation of that storied family end up in a, a I guess, NWA environment, NWA ring, whatever you want to call it. It makes, it just makes sense. I know that that's not the most alluring description, but it really makes sense. You know, Mike Rotunda, his father, known to many people as IRS, a former three-time NWA World Television Champion, a former NWA World Tag Team Champion. Deep history in that company. You know, Blackjack Mulligan, his grandfather, extensive history in NWA, became one of the biggest stars of his time in the NWA. You know, Barry Windham, another family member, another deep-seated history with the NWA. It goes on and on and on. Bo Dallas, I think, is a guy who many people have thought is talented and have thought has something interesting about him. It just hasn't been captured since the days of Bo Leaf. And 
I don't know what character he would portray. I think he's personally a pretty good wrestler. And I think he's a pretty versatile character based on what we've seen. I don't know if he'll be a world champion in, in NWA, but maybe getting back to the roots of it is what he needs to take that next step and figure out who he is in the world of professional wrestling. That character was so entertaining when he was just screaming Bo leave at the top of his lungs when many years ago now it feels like, but that was really in 2014. So it was only about seven years ago when Bo Dallas was really the, almost a face of NXT for a little while. He had awesome matches with Pac, formerly Adrian Neville for the NXT heavyweight championship. He was part of super entertaining um, when he was quote unquote called up to the main roster and he was a part of the B team, a part of the Miz Taraj, a part of the social outcasts. It was very entertaining stuff that Bo Dallas was a part of. I think he'd be a cool element to what NWA has going on. Now NWA is the, thinnest roster of them all but i think he immediately adds just a little bit of that star power that they might need you know right now you got nick aldis who's been reigning and defending champion there for quite some time he's been he's been in there with the likes of elijah burke chris adonis you know tom latimer trevor murdoch tyus all that good stuff adding bo dallas to this roster would immediately almost insert them into a different echelon i think you could say because bo dallas was super entertaining he would be a different element to this roster and i think he'd be an awesome fit for nwa which again they've got the lineage there you know the rotunda name so bo rotunda as a part of nwa i think could be really cool unless you go with my idea of calling him the friend not the fiend but the friend put him in aew just put him in a fiend mask and just let him go at it as the friend I know it's not going to happen, but that actually makes me sad because that sounds like a fantastic, fantastic idea. Man, I wish, but it's okay. Now, moving on from someone who had great success in NXT to someone who maybe never found their footing. Some injuries came up and that unfortunately never happened how many of us were hoping it would happen for one Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green, really one of the most popular wrestlers who got released because a lot of people remember a pretty damn awesome character named Laurel Van Ness from TNA Impact Wrestling whatever you will and I mean it was unique it was fresh it was really like it, it was something that we hadn't really seen right you know coming out wedding dress makeup smeared all over her face it it was different and it was unique and it showed how how committed to the character she was but also how intriguing of a character she was and that's just the basics of it right because over time chelsea green laurel venice whatever you want to call her she showed evolution as a character she showed great growth in the ring as a wrestler and i think a lot of people had really high hopes for what she could do in WWE and NXT, especially when she was paired with Robert Stone. The Robert Stone brand is so, so entertaining. And well, we never found out, but that might be a blessing in disguise. I think all of this is a blessing in disguise. Me personally, I would love to see the return of Laurel Van Ness. I think Impact's women's division is stronger than ever. And that character would fit perfectly or whatever character chelsea green a creative i don't know if genius is the right word but i'll go with it creative genius 
I think she would thrive in that environment. There are some familiar faces that she's already uh, uh, been around and been in the ring with, but there are also some new competitors for her to try her, her hand at overcoming. And I guess it doesn't hurt that Matt Cardona is an impact as well, but Chelsea green, really bear is going to dive into this even further because he's a Chelsea green Mark, but she's, she's a very talented wrestler and, and, Hopefully we get to see the return of that Laurel Van Ness character. I loved it. I'm also a huge TNA fan. I acknowledge that, but Chelsea Green, someone who has found success elsewhere already, maybe it's just a matter of opportunity for her to do it all over again. That psycho gimmick in TNA Impact Wrestling, that segment in particular where she was about to marry Braxton Sutter, was super entertaining. If you guys could go check that out on the Impact app, I definitely think you should. Chelsea Green is really, really good in the ring as well. Um, we saw more of that, more so in Lucha Underground. She had this killer Canadian destroyer on on Pentagon Junior. I don't know if you guys remember that, but I saw a gif of that circulating on Twitter the other day, and people were kind of reminded that Chelsea Green can go. Um, I had the honor and privilege of seeing Chelsea Green perform at All In. Um, she was a part of the fatal four way match with Madison rain and um, Tessa Blanchard who ended up winning. It was a really good match. Chelsea green is a damn good wrestler. Wherever she ends up, you're getting a foundational piece of your women's division. She was another one. I wasn't as shocked because unfortunately due to injury, she hasn't quite been used or utilized in the way that a lot of us fans have would have hoped that she would have been used in, but Again, another one man's trash, another man's treasure. Matt Cardona, her current fiance, is currently with Impact Wrestling. He's actually having a really good feud right now with Brian Myers. Another thing you should totally check out. Um, seeing Laurel Van Ness back to, back in Impact Wrestling would immediately inject a shot in the arm for that women's division. But again, seeing her in AEW as well would immediately insert her into a really cool potential feud with just any woman on that roster, you know, imagine the possibilities of that Laurel Van Ness character against Britt Baker, DMD, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, I should say the potential, the limit, the possibilities are endless. I can't wait to see where she lands and who knows, man, impact wrestling, AEW, any roster will be lucky to have her. I caught Bray and off guard. Sorry. He did, but we're going to keep it in there because we're pros. Professionals. Look, professionals. Look, Impact Wrestling, one of the best women's divisions in the land. AEW, obviously, growing as well. Chelsea Green, much like Billy Kay, kind of going to have the pick of the litter, right? So wherever they end up, they're talented in the ring, out of the ring. It's just a matter of, as Bear says, not if, but when. Now, moving on from... Chelsea Green to, well, somebody who, I don't know if I would say a surprising release, but I guess it is surprising based on where they once were in the WWE hierarchy. And it's been a couple of years since they had achieved that level of notoriety, if you will, but we're talking about Kalisto and it's been a strange couple of years for him, right? I mean, early on in his career, it was almost like immediate success and maybe maybe there was a desire to try and turn this luchador into the next Rey Mysterio sure but nevertheless Kalisto was a two-time WWE United States champion he's a former WWE Cruiserweight champion he and Sin Cara won the NXT Tag Team Championships together 
Kalisto, I mean, that's a that's a pretty good resume. You know, not a lot of wrestlers do all of that in a career, let alone a period of what? I mean, five, six years, or well, I guess he was signed in 2013, eight years, excuse me. He had a great run. Lucha House Party got over for a little bit, and, you know, some injuries came up along the way. But Kalisto's talent has never really been a question. The guy is in the ring incredibly agile incredibly creative incredibly willing to take some of johnny gargano's moves uh very talented wrestler and really i mean a lot of wrestling fans i think were excited about his signing eight years ago give or take a couple of weeks actually because it was may 2013 but he kind of made a name for himself in pwg samurai del sol he was getting over that way he was showing all of his talent and when he got signed i think it opened a lot of eyes and he proved that he belonged he had immediate success but he sustained it for a couple of years it's just i mean let's just call a spade a spade they kind of tried to make him the new ray mysterio they took away the individuality of the character and when ray came back they just didn't really have a need for it I think that there's actually a company on the rise that would be a perfect fit for Kalisto to reinvent himself and reestablish himself as one of the most dynamic in-ring performers in wrestling. And that is Major League Wrestling, MLW, a company that just signed a television deal with Vice TV. Exciting times for them. Imagine Kalisto going up against a guy like Jacob Fatu. You know, that roster is a lot better than you think. And Jacob Fatu is really, I mean, MLW should be counting their blessings that that guy was willing to resign with them because that dude is a straight up talent. He is ridiculously talented, but you put Kalisto in there, you know, you got Leo rush and, and you know, Loki ACH, a lot of guys who we saw him wrestle at one time or another, but maybe want to see more of and maybe with less restrictions, question mark. But you also have guys like Puma King, who was starting to make a name for himself in PWG after obviously extraordinary success in Mexico and other countries around the world. Neil Muertes is there. There's a lot of talent in MLW, but I think as we ring those names off, you kind of get the sense that they don't have a household name. Not to say that Kalisto is one, but you could argue that if he went there, he'd be one of the biggest stars they have. He's a popular figure who has a lot of fans, and I think that he would be great for that company. Or, you know, we could just go the easy route and say AEW because that's the answer for everything these days, just like Impact was at one point. But in fairness, as we said, PWG roots, some history with guys like Excalibur, of course, and the Young Bucks, maybe that's where we'll see him. But me personally, I would love to see Kalisto give MLW some depth and some star power that they need because they have a very solid product that is about to get even more eyes on it. MLW could use this name value in Kalisto or Samurai Del Sol. Um, I saw him live right before he signed with WWE. I saw him live at an AAW show and I was just stunned because I'm like, you know what, this guy's going to go places. Unfortunately, I know injuries happen. And, you know, as he said in an in interview, Lucha things, right? That's what he said. Lucha things happen. Things happen. Injuries happen, but he's way too talented to be on the market for a long period of time. After his 90 days are up, I will not be surprised if any of the, any of the companies that we mentioned here today 
take a stab at it for Samurai Del Sol. A company like Ring of Honor could use them. A company like AEW, of course, could use them. You know, I know AEW has a very large roster right now, but the rich can get richer, right? MLW for us is the choice, but why not see Samurai Del Sol in a New Japan Pro Wrestling? NWA can make a run for him. My point is Kalisto, Samurai Del Sol, whatever you want to call him, he could fit anywhere you put him because that's how talented he is. And I think he's going to be another one of those guys where all he needs is the opportunity and the platform to show what he can do. And I think he will do just that. Now, Kalisto is an exciting one, but so is the next one for very different reasons, because while Kalisto can bring in that infusion of athleticism and excitement, we have someone who can bring in pretty much everything that is next on this list. And that of course is Mickey James, one of the all time greats and one of the all time greats who can still go still produce some really good matches. And I think a lot of wrestling fans were upset that we haven't seen a lot of Mickey James as of late, really like you look at her resume and you can put her up against most anyone, a five time WWE women's champion, former divas champion. So call her a six time world champion in WWE and then a three time TNA knockouts champion. She was a part of two pretty golden eras for wrestling, specifically women's wrestling and two different companies you know she really helped define women's wrestling in tna at a time when it became one of the things that made uh, tna an identifiable company as doing something different from wwe and when she was in wwe i mean all you got to say is that trish stratus feud one of the great feuds in the history of wrestling one of the great wrestlemania matches Uh, mickey james has been around for a long time and she has kept us entertained for a long time alexis larie shout out uh look mickey james anywhere she goes will benefit it would be very cool to see her back in impact you know she has history there and she could mentor a lot of those uh up-and-coming wrestlers who are already putting it all together but we personally believe that AEW should essentially hand her virtually a blank check aw's women's division is rapidly rising up the ranks of the best in the world and that's kind of funny because for the first year of the company it felt like they didn't really care about the women's division just to be completely frank but that's changed there's a lot of talent there now a lot of names that maybe you'd never heard of or you had heard of but didn't know enough about you know Anna Jay Big Swole you know, Jade Cargill, one of the recent signings who has been absolutely tremendous. Chris Stotlander is finally back from injury. Red Velvet was outstanding this past week on Dynamite. Serena Deeb representing both AEW and the NWA. Ty Conti has been outstanding. And then, of course, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, looking like one of the preeminent stars in all of professional wrestling. And the match that she just had against Thunder Rosa, a legitimate match of the year candidate. That roster that I just said, and that doesn't even include everybody on it, you know, Abaddon, uh, Awesome Kong, obviously, of course, how did I forget the women's champ- women's world champion, excuse me, Akaro Shida. For as great as that roster is, and I mean no disrespect to Serena Deep, one of the best in the world and a respected leader, they don't really have an identifiable legend, right? They, they don't have that star where you turn it on and even a casual fan will go, I know that person. And AEW has done a very good job over the past few months of 
trying to to address that problem on the men's side, right? That's let's just take the kayfabe out of it and put the Booker hat on. That's why Chris Jericho was the first ever world champion. He was the name. He was the draw. If you're a casual wrestling fan, you saw Chris Jericho, you might stop and watch because you know him. The women's division doesn't really have that right now. Mickey James can provide that presence. In the locker room, she can be a mentor. In the ring, she can be a mentor. But she could also be a star. She can very well walk into that company and win the world championship. And it's entirely believable because she is a legend who still has a lot left in the tank. So look, Mickey James, anywhere she goes, she'll be successful. And any company she signs with will be lucky to have that, have her. But really, AEW kind of needs to make this happen, right? It's why they signed guys like Paul White. It's why they signed guys like Christian Cage. It's why so many guys, it's why they signed guys like Sting. Veteran presence, you know, and like you mentioned, the women's division in AEW, while it's really been picking up steam as of late, I'm really happy with the way that AEW has been building this women's division because, again, you're going from these names that nobody's ever heard of and people were uh, people on Twitter in, in particular were complaining, the women are not getting enough time. But now you, you see how great they're doing this women's division, how they're doing it. But adding a veteran like Mickey James is just almost icing on the cake. Because again, you look at this roster and they're all young Ty Conti, you know, red velvet, Jade Cargill, Layla Hirsch just recently signed. Chris Stotlander just recently came back. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, you know, Brandy Rhodes will eventually be back in the fold once she's finished having child with Cody Rhodes. It's going to be really interesting to see where this women's division continues to elevate because, again, eventually Bird Baker will be champion. Hikaru Shida has been killing it as champion. But again, there's no veteran presence on that roster. And again, that's why they signed to, to the men's roster. They signed guys like Sting, guys like Christian Cage. You know, they've got. On the men's side of the things, they got a really unique blend of veterans and up-and-comers. Darby Allen is becoming a household name, and Darby Allen is becoming a household name because he's going up against guys like Matt Hardy, guys like Chris Jericho, household names in the world of professional wrestling. AEW needs to do that on the women's side of things, and I think they could do just that with Mickey James. I think this one is maybe the only one on our list that's a no-brainer. And But like Brian said, Mickey James could land wherever she wants and she'll probably be a huge asset to wherever she ends up landing. Absolutely. And look, I, the options are wide open, right? It would be cool to see her with her husband, Nick Aldis and NWA NWA quietly has one of the best and strongest women's division, excuse me, women's divisions in professional wrestling headlined by wrestlers like Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb and Allison K adding a Mickey James in there would make it even better, you know? So, there are options aplenty. It's really, I mean, my assumption would be if these bookers know what they're doing, as I say, having never booked a wrestling show, uh, but I played EWR, damn it. Not uh, yet, at least, damn it. He'll turn headlocks the promotion coming soon to a theater near you. It's the truth. And look, Mickey James, wherever she goes, I hope these promoters are all begging her to sign because she is a world-class talent, a deeply respected legend in the locker room and someone that'll help any company she goes to hopefully that is aw because she is that she seems like that missing piece for a rapidly growing division now moving on from a legend to someone who 
maybe one day will be. I don't know. Who knows? But he is a former winner of the Andre the Giant Memorial Trophy. We're talking about Mojo Raleigh. This is one where I guess we all kind of saw it coming to some extent, right? You know, Mojo Raleigh, it's kind of been a lot of stop and start with the characters that he's played over the years. His association with Rob Gronkowski has benefited him in some regards. It's maybe hindered him in some regards too. I don't know. But point is, Mojo Raleigh is no longer with WWE. And now you get a guy, a former Division One defensive lineman who played a couple of years in the NFL, natural athlete, plenty of energy, and clearly we want to reunite the hype bros. I mean, hey, who knows? Maybe that could be cool. We actually, look, we're just going to be completely honest. We kind of struggled with this one. We don't, you know, Mojo Raleigh, he was with WWE, believe it or not, for nine years. And it just really stop and start is the best way I can put it. I thought the hype bros, you know, they got pretty over. I was kind of surprised that they never really won anything. But look, Mojo Raleigh has charisma. I don't think anybody denies that. I think it's just a matter of finding the right character to package that into and find the right character to make that intensity mean something. And because of that, that's really why we're leaning towards NWA. NWA has done a great job of taking wrestlers that maybe you recognize but haven't seen in a while and really highlighting the aspects of their characters and refining those characters to make them genuinely entertaining pieces of a really good television product now on Fight TV. Uh, Look, Mojo Raleigh, again, it's a shame his career never got off the ground because Look, he came out, he was full of energy. It's hard not to get full of energy when somebody else is. And hopefully he can land on his feet with NWA or another company. But I think NWA would give him a really good chance to maybe explore even the darker side of the character that it looked like he would be debuting on Raw that we never got to see actually turn into anything, which is a shame because, look, one of those guys who it just kind of seems like nothing got off the ground and maybe wasn't given a chance to get it off the ground, even if he was positioned somewhat prominently. So Mojo Raleigh, we wish you the best of luck. And we think, you know what, the NWA could be a good landing spot for him. And the NWA, the NWA has done a pretty good job of almost allowing wrestlers to come in and rebuild themselves, right? You got former WWE guy, former WWE guys across the land there, Tyrus, Trevor Murdoch, you know, we mentioned Elijah Burke before Nick Aldis had a really good run in TNA impact wrestling. And now he's been one of the more dominant NWA world's heavyweight champions in maybe the company's big history. You know, you got guys like Fred Rosser there, who's formerly Darren young, Chris Adonis, formerly Chris masters, who's now the NWA national champion, former Damian Sandow, you know, NWA has a really cool, unique roster. And I think Mojo Raleigh could fit there, you know, I'm not saying he's going to go there and have these quote unquote five-star matches, but you go to NWA, you revitalize yourself and who knows, maybe one day WWE comes calling back. They've done that before. It could happen again. I can't wait. You know, Mojo is one of those weird cases where it's like, we don't really know where he's going to go. I think NWA would be a cool fit, but if, he's done wrestling in particular, you know, he did win an Andre the giant Memorial battle Royal and put some respect on the fact that he is a former seven time WWE 24 seven champion, which what a stat, you know? So 
wherever Mojo lands, I think it'll be cool. He's going to stay hyped wherever the hell he goes. Maybe he signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Gronk's there. You know, we threw a little football thing in there for you guys. But who knows? All I know is I can't wait to see where Mojo goes because it's going to be interesting once his 90 days are up. Now, moving on to someone who we kind of teased a little bit earlier in this episode as an inclusion on this list, the other half of the Iconics, the the individual in the Iconics, who I guess is known more for what happens in the ring than on the mic, but also very talented on the mic. We're talking about Peyton Royce, a former WWE Women's Tag Team Champion, one half of the Iconics, as we said. They actually won the 2016 NXT year-end award for breakout stars of the year. I think Peyton Royce is somebody who her release, maybe not as much as Billy Kay, but I think it really came as a shock to a lot of people as well, because she had just cut that tremendous promo on raw talk where she called out Oscar and said, all she wants is an opportunity she got the opportunity, and although she lost to Asuka, it was a really good match. It further showed that Peyton Royce is a really talented wrestler who you can put in the ring with virtually anybody, and she can adapt to their style. And I guess this is what's been so upsetting about, what, the past year and a half, maybe even two years? It like the, the breakup of the Iconics. It, I think we all kind of sat there and just looked at each other like, why why like when they were champions let's just call a spade a spade everybody hated them they hated that they were champions and part of it was a byproduct of the fact that the internet knows everything <laughs> uh and sure we do uh and we didn't like that sasha and bailey lost the titles but the iconics we said it about billy k it's true about both of them they can make you laugh they can make you hate them and they could entertain you and we saw them in a few matches before they broke up they'd added a handful of new moves to their repertoire it was clear that they hadn't just been sitting on the sidelines doing nothing they were actively working to improve and those improvements genuinely came and it, it's it's sad that we didn't get to see the iconics get another run in wwe especially when a crowd was more receptive to them or i guess a non-existent crowd but nevertheless uh but it's also a shame that we didn't get to see what Peyton Royce could do individually. I've personally been a fan of her since she was in NXT. I think that she's a very talented wrestler who has a pretty cool set of moves that she always seems to be adding to. You could see the work ethic and things like that. And I think that wherever she ends up, she's going to be successful as a wrestler. In saying that, I think the obvious expectation is that she'll end up in AEW. Her husband, Sean Spears, is there. That alone is a reason to maybe believe that. But, you know, putting that aside, Peyton Royce is probably, you know, of all the women who were released in the ring, I don't think it's unfair to say has the most potential of anybody on this list. 28 years old, already a former WWE Women's Tag Team Champion, has proven herself at the NXT level, at the WWE level. Really, I think that she's... I don't know if she's someone who will carry your brand, but I think she could easily become one of the top stars on your brand. And it's like we said with Billy Kay, perhaps they go their separate ways and wrestle as individuals, 
I personally think we all hope that we get to see whatever they're called, but the Iconics 2.0. And if that happens, it's AW for sure. But either way, I just want to encourage everybody, whether it's Billy Kay, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, or Peyton Royce, that Impact Wrestling Knockouts division is grade A stuff. And any one of those women, all four of those women would be absolutely tremendous fits there as well. But Bear, I mean, AEW seems like the obvious choice for obvious reasons, both in and out of the ring. But Peyton Royce, I mean, can you imagine matches with her and women like Anna Jay, Thunder Rosa, and Britt Baker? She'd immediately add star power to that division. You know, we're not saying she's a huge star, but, you know, that's another foundational piece. You put a part of that roster and you immediately – you know, she immediately becomes a contender to Hikaru. She does AEW Women's World Championship. I was sitting here while you were talking, thinking of a possible inclusion for Peyton Royce into the pinnacle where her husband, Sean Spears, is a part of. Now, the cool, unique part about that is they add female representation, right? And then you look at the other flip side of the coin. Who are the pinnacle feuding with? They are feuding with the inner circle. How cool would it be? If Billy Kay sent out her resume to the inner circle, they include Billy Kay into the group. And we get, you know, at, we're, we are getting blood and guts match between the pinnacle and the inner circle. But how cool would it be if the inner circle added Billy Kay and Peyton Royce was added to the pinnacle and we had those two feuding for the first time, at least as from, from what we've seen, you know, it just, I think the, t- the TV would be gold. I think those two would have awesome matches together. I do want to see them team one more time because they were super entertaining as a tag team. It was so weird. It's so weird that WWE. I don't want to sit here and complain about booking because that's what we do. We're armchair bookers, but it was really weird to see them break up. I'll never understand why they broke them up. I guess there are some things we just will never understand. Maybe one day they'll have a shoot interview and they'll tell us all about it. Maybe the, the rhyme and the reason as to why, but you know, Again, Peyton Royce, I think it's a no-brainer. She goes to AEW, but wherever she lands, she's another one that's she's she's going to add immediate immediate star power to that roster. Now we were gonna keep this alphabetical. I'm throwing bear curveball here, but we kind of want to save this next one for last, right? I feel like that seems like the best strategy. So we're gonna skip alphabetically. You know who it's gonna be, just be patient. Uh, we're gonna go now to a guy who I actually think could experience a surprising amount of success outside of wwe a guy who i think is actually a little underrated and that man is the artist formerly known as tucker uh formerly one half of heavy machinery another team that why did they break them up not the point keep it moving look tucker six two over 300 pounds and that dude can move Impressive athlete you know anytime you got a guy who's as big as him as powerful as him it your options are kind of there to present this guy as a dominant force, right? I actually think he would be a really, really good fit in NWA, maybe even more so than Mojo Raleigh, not trying to take food out of anybody's mouth, sorry, but I think Tucker would be really cool there. I think that he's a guy who, despite us not understanding the breakup of heavy machinery, I think we were all a little bit intrigued about what would happen after Tucker turned on Otis, right? We all wanted to see where it would go. Maybe Tucker's capable of something from a a heel perspective. And then we just never got the chance to see that. But nevertheless, look, reality is 
Otis might have been the the go-to character in Heavy Machinery, but the reason that tag team got over was the combination of Otis and Tucker. Tucker was an impressive athlete. He would get the hot tags and do a lot of big things, but he could also really wrestle a strong match. I, I think that he's a guy who's going to surprise some people outside of WWE. And to me, Bear, he's the he's the sleeper pick to rise up and, and even exceed the success he had in WWE outside of the company. We didn't get to see much of a singles run for Tucker after the what the hell was that breakup between heavy machinery? I get it. Your break tag teams up. It's just what you're doing. I'm surprised that Usos haven't broken up yet, but you know, they probably will eventually, but Tucker being on his own now for the first time in his career, you know, he, he started in WWE. He started training at the performance center. He's only been doing it for, I want to say like six years total. He's got, he's got potential. It's just a matter of finding that potential. I think, We've mentioned NWA numerous times already, but I think that's a perfect landing spot for him because again, you know, this is a, a brand where they're build they're almost rebuilding themselves back up, right? You know, NWA power unfortunately stopped um showing stopped doing television shows because of the pandemic, but they're coming back. They're having pay-per-views on the on fight TV, they're having specials. I think it'd be really cool to see Tucker land on his feet there because it's one of those things where it's put up or shut up time. You know, we see, you know, guys like Brandon and myself, we see the potential in Tucker of what he could be. Show us what you got. You know what I mean? And I think he could do just that in NWA. Now, before we get to the main event, if you will, another guy who I think has become it's just kind of unfortunate victim of circumstance, right? Some stuff happened on Twitter that had nothing to do with him. His faction got broken up. He was in a really good tag team. And then, Two people broke up. It's it's not really his fault. Now, I, I don't know if this next guy will be a single star anywhere, but Wesley Blake has continuously proven he's a really good tag team wrestler. I don't know what that means for his future. I don't know if there are people that he knows on the indies. I'm sure there are or in any of these other companies that he would like to form a tag team with. I don't know if he has it in him to become a single star. He very well might. I personally think that Wesley Blake is one of the guys who it's really disappointing that we never got to see more from him. He and Buddy Murphy, former NXT tag team champions, if people remember, they were a really, really good tag team. They actually beat the aforementioned Lucha Dragons of Kalisto and Sinkara to win those titles. They had a long, lengthy reign. Alexa Bliss was their manager before Alexa Bliss was playing with dolls in The Fiend. Look, Murphy might have gone on to become the the more notorious singles competitor, but look, Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler were proving they had a couple of really good tag team matches together, including that ladder match in NXT, if you remember. There's a lot to like about Wesley Blake. I think it's just a matter of where he lands that actually maybe encourages him to be that tag team competitor or maybe encourages him to explore his individuality as a character, whatever it is. I, I'm personally a fan of this guy, solid athlete. I think a well-rounded wrestler trained by Dory Funk jr. I mean, that's pretty much a guarantee that you're going to be solid. Uh, look, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of his and, you know, not to, to keep on with the same prediction but i think nwa 
another guy who would be a really nice fit there. I also think he'd be a very interesting fit in impact though. I think that he kind of maybe fits that violent by design faction that's led by Eric young. I don't know. All I know is I think Wesley Blake is another one of those sleepers and hopefully uh, a prominent company gives him a chance because I think there's a lot of talent there to explore. I like both fits for Wesley Blake. Um, Brandon and I were talking just last week on the phone and we're like, man, they're really not doing much with Buddy Murphy over on SmackDown. They're not doing much with Wesley Blake over on SmackDown ever since Steve Cutler got released. There's a history there. Why not pair these two back up together? You instantly boost that SmackDown tag team division. You give the Dirty Dogs, Dolph Ziggler, and Bobby Roode new opponents. You give the Street Profits new opponents. You give the Mysterios new opponents in Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy. I think it would have been a really cool dynamic to reform that tag team. Unfortunately, that's just not how the cookie crumbled. Seeing Wesley Blake go to NWA or Impact in particular, I really like that violence by design um, fit for Blake. Well done by you, Mr. LaPrey. Um you know, there's another option there that I think people may have overlooked, but on Twitter, Dax Harwood of FTR slash the pinnacle tweeted. I wish you all knew just how good Wesley Blake actually is. I've said it many times and I'll bet my colleagues agree. He's the modern day Bobby Eaton. That's pretty damn high wow. praise from a guy like Dax Harwood of AEW. Now we don't know how much pull, he might have with Tony Khan in signing people. But if you have that kind of praise, I mean, I think that's kind of something that has to be considered, right? Wherever Wesley Blake lands, I hope he he's another one of those guys, like we mentioned with Kalisto, give him the platform to show who he can be, just like everybody on this list, actually. But seeing him now in a singles environment where we know he's a damn good tag team wrestler, it's sink or swim time. And I, I can't wait to see where he lands as well, because there's a lot of potential for Wesley Blake, wherever he ends up landing, which leads us to wait, hold on the modern day, Bobby Eaton. That's that is not my, I did not say that that was Dax Harwood that from one elite tag team wrestler to, I guess another, you know, Bobby, Eaton. if you don't know who he is, ladies and gentlemen, that's, Shame on you. No, just kidding. One half of the Midnight Express. A lot of people think the greatest tag team of all time, at least high on that list. That's it's crazy praise, right? That kind of makes me want him to end up in AEW in a certain faction. But hey, speaking of going to whatever the hell company you want, we're on to the main event. Like, maybe what did I just say? The main event, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a we're about to talk about Naked Midian. Is that what you Uh, just said? Uh, we need to do a whole episode about naked midian repo listen man, i'm baby. so i am so down i have a repo man pin i don't know that has nothing to do with naked midian but i am so down yeah anyways we are on to the main event and we are here <laughs> this is what you've all been waiting for right to talk about the guy we all know where we probably want him to go I'm not going to look, we're not going to make guesses about the state of his health. We assume that if he's wrestling, it's because he can, and we're not going to encourage him to do anything that he can't do. Right. Got that out of the way. Let's move forward. One of the, I'm going to say, and bear doesn't have to agree with me or disagree with me, but me personally, one of my opinions is this, the following person is one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of professional wrestling. And also one of the most important 
wrestlers in the history of professional wrestling a guy who has transformed our understanding of what wrestlers are able to do based on what their bodies look like the guy who set the stage for the kevin owenses and the bray wyatt's etc etc i'm obviously talking about the most shocking release of this past week a guy who four days prior was announcing wrestlemania samoa joe we like what the hell we just did a free cheap plug uh we just did an episode about the potential ring of honor hall of fame we encourage all of you to go back and listen to that episode now no spoilers but one of the obvious inaugural inductees into our version of the ring of honor hall of fame was samoa joe Uh, samoa joe if you don't know well Longest reigning individual ring, longest reigning ring of honor world champion of all time at 645 days. How long was that reign? Well, 645 days, but also only Jay Lethal has even passed him in cumulative days of champion at 707. So it took Jay Lethal two reigns just to surpass Joe's one by what two months? I mean. That's ridiculous dominance with one of the most prestigious titles in all of professional wrestling. Joe was also a great Ring of Honor pure champion. He held the title for about four months and defended it six times. Yeah. Samoa Joe then revolutionized the TNA X division and really, along with AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, you know, Chris Sabin, Petey Williams, Alex Shelley, et cetera, et cetera, Frankie Kazarian, made the X division the reason to watch TNA for all of the big names they signed and all the things they did. The X division set TNA apart and it was the arrival of this 280 pound dude who could do anything in the ring, elite technical wrestler, elite striker, elite grappler, and somehow able to fly over the top rope. Samoa Joe gave TNA something that no other company had, plain and simple. And a lot of companies have tried to recreate it. I don't know if anybody's ever done it as well as Samoa Joe. I'll put it like this. Before there was Walter, there was Samoa Joe. And Joe went to WWE, became the first ever two-time NXT champion, won the United States title twice, won the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. He did a lot of things that suggested he would be a multiple-time world champion. He beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar in a match. And then nothing. And injuries happened and all these things that, in fairness to WWE, out of their control. But now Samoa Joe is a free agent. And, I mean, we've said it about a couple of people on this, but Joe, more than anyone... He'll go wherever the hell he wants to go. If he wants to go wrestle Jacob Fatu in MLW, he'll do it and we'll all watch. If he wants to go back to TNA, unfinished business, go to Impact Wrestling, now run by Scott Demore, somebody that he's familiar with from those X Division days, he'll do that and he'll dominate whoever has the championship. Realistically, Joe's going to go wherever he wants, but we, we all know the two companies we're thinking of. Well, I guess we'll say three because you know what? Impact, absolutely part of it. But it's AEW and it's New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's arguably the two best pure wrestling companies on God's green earth. And we want to see one of the greatest pure wrestlers of all time in that environment. They're dream matches after dream matches after dream matches. It's Samoa Joe versus Kazushko Okada. 
Samoa Joe versus Tomohiro Ishii and it's my personal dream match in professional wrestling. Samoa Joe versus the new AJ Styles, Will Ospreay. I guess I'm just previewing one of our future episodes, but just imagine if Kenny Omega wins the Impact World Championship from Rich Swan, and somebody's got to save TNA. And here comes one of the greatest TNA wrestlers of all time to save the day, and we get Kenny Omega versus Samoa Joe. Look, sell it however you want to sell it. Point is... I don't even have a projection for this one. Samoa Joe will go wherever the hell he wants and we'll watch, but we know the two companies that we want to see him in. Inject all of that into my veins. You know, it's been super unfortunate that Samoa Joe's um, injuries have caught up to him. Right. And it's why they were, they put the WWE put him on commentary. It's so weird to me that they released him because of how damn good he was on commentary. CBS Sports named him commentator of the year in an in an article about commentating and WWE and all that good stuff. So seeing Samoa Joe release now, we don't know the logistics. Maybe he requested it. Maybe he there's stuff that he wanted to do outside of the company where he wanted to wrestle and the WWE doctors wouldn't clear him. We don't know. All we can do is assume, right? But look. AEW in particular is my choice, although seeing Joe in New Japan, although that forbidden door is open, so we could potentially get Joe in all of these companies. What if Joe was the saving grace to impact wrestling when Kenny Omega hypothetically beats Rich Swan for the TNA Unified Heavyweight Titles, TNA Impact Wrestling Heavyweight Titles? But then you look at this roster in AEW in particular, Joe against Christopher Daniels one more time would just be stellar. Samoa Joe against Chris Jericho. Why not? Samoa Joe against Christian Cage one more time. They had a legendary feud in TNA Impact Wrestling. Unbelievable. The promo battles between him and Cody Rhodes would be astounding. I was telling Brian this the other day when we found out Samoa Joe was released. Put him in a faction with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, and you have three of the baddest MFers on the planet in a stable, which we all know AEW loves stables. You do that. And that is immediate must-see television every Wednesday night. We just talked about the Wednesday night wars being over, thank God, by the way. Seeing Samoa Joe with John Moxley and Eddie Kingston just sitting there talking about whatever the hell they wanted, and then the three of them going into the ring and just killing it against whoever they are in the ring with, that's the great thing about Samoa Joe. He adapts. You know, He's one of those rare wrestlers that can just have a match with legitimately anybody on your roster and immediately it's one of those matches where it's like, okay, this is must-see. Samoa Joe against Lance Archer would be really cool to see. Samoa Joe against my boy Miro would be really dope to see. You know, Unfortunately for Miro, I think his ass would be put to sleep by Samoa Joe. My point is, Samoa Joe immediately, wherever he goes, he's the. this is why we saved him for last, because this is the one we're most passionate about. Samoa Joe is going to kill it wherever he goes. There are so many different dream matches and you know i don't want to be the that guy but what if somehow some way tony khan really did open up the checkbook and said hey joe how about you come in do it in chicago so i can go sorry brain but joe we're gonna give you punk's last match and bears there in the front row paying a lot of money that he doesn't have he's probably gonna get a loan from a friend and it's gonna be magical joe against punk one more time my point is look that could happen in New Japan too, and shit. That could happen in Japan itself, and Baron Brain would have to fly to Japan. Who knows? But Joe is a real legitimate game changer for any company he signs with. 
We hope it's AEW, but we wouldn't be mad at it if it was New Japan because of how many dream matches there are there as well. Or he goes and there's unfinished business. Fun fact, I think Brian mentioned this to me. Didn't Joe only hold the TNA World Championship one time? That is just abysmal. If I were Joe, I'd be like, you know what? Let me go write that wrong and correct that. But look, Joe for me, AEW, clear-cut choice. Tony Khan, I'm sorry that you have to spend more money, but this is just what we want, my my friend. This is just what we want. Give us what we want. Give us what we want. Got to give the people what they want, to quote Excalibur. And what the people want is Samoa Joe. Look, we, I'm not going to spoil future episodes, but pretty much we have like two or three different episodes about Samoa Joe that we're deciding between, and we may end up just doing all of them. Look, Joe, what could have been? Like, I, I know we said we wouldn't think about that, but it's hard not to. It, it breaks my heart that this guy's going to retire having never been WWE champion because it's just he's too damn good for that to be true. Like, we've been planning for a couple of months an episode about the greatest wrestlers to never hold the WWE title. Samoa Joe is now in that discussion. And not only in that discussion, he's near the top of the list. It's, I know there are wrestlers with more history in WWE that people will more immediately think of. But Joe is just, I mean, he's an all-time great. And... It's heartbreaking. Thankfully, there are so many company, companies now for him to land with. And look, wherever he goes, Samoa Joe is going to be successful. Wherever he goes, people are going to open up their pocketbooks. No, checkbooks. There you go. Checkbook. Uh, Samoa Joe is an absolute legend. For fans of 2000s wrestling, you know Samoa Joe means as much to us as anyone from that era. Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, AJ Styles included. Uh, regardless, I really hope we do see Joe and AEW. I think there are a lot of exciting matchups there. You know, Bear alluded to a couple of them, and you know, Moxley, Kenny, Cody, Hangman, Ray Phoenix, Pac. Oh my God, can you imagine Samoa Joe versus Pac? Man, look. We made this episode because we care about all these wrestlers, but we are especially heartbroken about Samoa Joe. But hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles, in the words of Bruce Almighty, because I give topical references. Uh, regardless, what year, what year is it? I, who even knows? Time is a weird construct. Uh, on that strange and somber note, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Uh, if you're as sad as us about Samoa Joe, let us know. If you think we're overreacting, let us know. If you think we got every single one of these predictions, not even predictions, just thoughts about where it might be cool, let us know. We want to hear it all. Look, we we love you all. It has actually been now officially a year of heel turns and headlocks, and we did not cool. know what to expect. We just got over a 1,000 likes on Facebook in total we're we're pretty pretty thrilled that all of this has happened and it wouldn't be possible without all of you so we thank you so much and because we love you so much we're even going to give you a number that you can call text or block from your phones just don't send me any pictures i don't want to see at 614-450-0366 you get a direct line to bear himself unless you already have his number then 
I guess you have another direct line. 614-450-0366. Talk to us about the podcast. Tell us everything. I will direct all these messages to Brian. Or you want to support whatamaneuver.net forward slash collections forward slash heel dash turns dash headlocks. T-shirts, infant onesies, long sleeves, you name it. They got it. They're working on hats too. I sent an email. I don't know if they're working on them, but I sent an email. Um, what else is there? The fancy guy at the end will tell you all about the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram. We're working on the MySpace. No, we're not. And Mr. Brian, please take it home. That was beautiful. Thank you. I tried. No, thank you all for listening. Please do call, text us, give us feedback. You don't have to give us positive feedback. We want to hear it all. We want to know what you think. We want to know what we suck at and what we're good at. We want to get better so you enjoy listening to this podcast even more than you already do. Sorry. Uh, but seriously, thank you all so much for the past year. It's been the strangest year of all of our lives, no doubt about it, but also one of the most rewarding years of our lives from a professional perspective. And that has given us a lot of peace of mind at a time where it's hard to find. So we thank you sincerely for that. And really all that's left to say is we love you. We thank you. We want you to keep on staying safe and more than anything, we want you to keep on loving professional wrestling. You've been listening to Heel Turns and Headlocks with Bear DiGiulio and Brian LaPrey. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back soon with more. But until then, reach out on Facebook at Heel Turns and Headlocks, on Twitter at Heel underscore Turns underscore Pod, and on Instagram at Heel Turns and Headlocks. We'll see you next time.